Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the history of applications and how that's affecting data-centric architectures. Let's dive right in and take a look and see what is really causing most of this change to happen. And we can blame this all on IoT, Internet of Things, right? There's big promises on Internet of Things, how it was going to change the world. We need 5G to make this all happen. And it just kind of fizzled a little bit, maybe because 5G was later than what we thought. But I still think that's not necessarily true. I think we have the infrastructure that's ready to go but we haven't put into place a way to manage all the data that's being generated by all these smart devices that are out there. And that's a problem because I've got lots and lots of data. We're talking exabytes of data that is now being collected and I can't stream all the data to my data centers. I need to do something with that. So we're talking about edge analytics, running AI on the edge. Well, how do I manage those AI on the edge. How do I how do I do all this? We haven't come up with a great architecture strategy for that yet. So we're going to talk today about what we have to change in our IT organizations or in our organizations in general to handle this onslaught of data coming from these Internet of Things. So let's take a look at some key elements of change that we need to work on. Now this is pretty vanilla standard things that you'd have to do with any um, change that you're introducing into your organization. The first one is people. There are going to be organizational changes uh, when you start introducing um, new capabilities that you need. So we have to look at the organizational changes. We also have operational changes or processes now need to change. Uh, things are now scattered a lot further away. Processes are going to change around security, compliance, governance. Those are some important processes to hammer out. Uh, before just deploying. And of course, you're going to have some architectural or technological changes that need to occur as well. So today, we're not going to focus on all three. We're just going to focus on my favorite, which is the technology changes, because I'm a technologist. So of course, that's where I want to go first. So in order to understand how this is all working, let's take a look at how we deploy applications for missions today or how we used to maybe 30 years ago, because it really hasn't changed much in the last 30 years. I create a reference architecture that has an application, an application stack built on specific um, hardware, both compute storage, and then I want to connect it to other things, so I put a network in there. This is how we've built things for a long time. Now, there's some issues with this. I don't get to reuse technology. Technology moves fast, so I may get uh, some old equipment, but I've purpose-built and optimized for that equipment, so I'm gonna stick with it. And really, you get technology drifts now, or you can't keep up with the technology as it's changing. Every two to four years, we're seeing a double in speed, in performance. I've already optimized for this. We're seeing new uh, technologies coming out that are changing the way we think about things. So. Lack of reuse, increased cost. This model worked for a long time, doesn't work so great anymore. So let's keep looking at some changes. The first change that happened um, historically 
um, over the last 20 years, it happened about 20, 25 years ago, was a virtualization. Now, people love this because now I could run multiple applications on the same machine without them really affecting each other too much, right? Because I have isolation of the VMs. Now, there are some problems with, uh, with this, which we'll talk about around Noisy Neighbor, but hardware virtualization has really made it easy to deploy new applications and to run them all on the, on the same machine. So instead of buying five smaller machines, I can now buy a bigger machine and run these virtual machines on there. Um, it's not just compute, but I'm also running virtual storage and network functions as well. So this made it really easy that I can reuse hardware I don't have my application tied to directly to hardware, so I'm not optimizing to the nth degree to get every CPU cycle out anymore. Now the hardware is fast enough uh, to do what I need to do in most cases, and we can easily um, now run an application on some more generalized hardware, which is exactly where we want to go. Okay, So this decreases costs, increases hardware reuse, but now all of a sudden security becomes a little bit more of an issue because I have two applications running on the same hardware and I also have an issue with something called noisy neighbor where I can have one application actually affecting the performance of another application, whether it is chewing up all the IO bandwidth or um, maybe it's network or storage, whatever it might be. So what's happened, probably it started in the early 2000s we had another uh, thing take off, and that was cloud technology. Now, some people say, wait, Darren, cloud technology and virtualization are the same. Well, a little bit of the same. Now we're actually sharing across multiple organizations, either in a private cloud or in a public cloud. But the main thing that we got with cloud technologies was the abstraction of operations. So I first had abstraction of hardware with the virtualization layer, now I have abstraction of operations. They made it easier to now manage multiple machines and they created an easy button basically for sysadmins, right? And they created self-service portals, all this stuff. All this cloud stuff came out in uh, a technology or an architectural uh, idea called software-defined infrastructure. And all the public clouds use it. All the private clouds now use that same terminology and it now makes it easier now for me to spin up and spin down uh, VMs, vSANs, you know, virtual storage, as well as virtual networks. Now, it decreased my CapEx cost because I don't have to buy as much hardware or maybe even hardware at all because I'm going in the public cloud. And it also decreased my total OpEx cost because I can have one sysadmin manage a lot more machines than they used to before. It also gives me the ability to burst into the cloud if I don't have enough capability, like at Christmas time for retailers um, or at uh, census time for like uh, the U.S. Census. Uh, so those are some, some great things. Now, some concerns with this. Security concerns have increased even more because now I have multi-tenants running on the same machines. So I have to be worried about that. So I need to, I need to put extra measures in for security. Noisy neighbor becomes even more prevalent as I've got people from other organizations using the same machines I'm using or the same network or maybe even the same storage arrays that I'm using. And 
if I have a public and a private cloud, which we're seeing a lot more of, I now have some integration costs between the different clouds. So there's some things to worry about, but the pluses outweigh the minuses in here in most cases, right? You have to take that one step at a time. Now, over the last five to six years, we've seen an old technology become new again. And this is the container technology. So containerization actually existed before virtualization did. But it was hard and clunky to use back in those days. And a company, Docker, they came up with a easy button basically for containers. So Docker created uh, the easier way to use containers and it took off like wildfire, specifically around, around your application developers. Because application developers, they really don't want to mess with the operating system much. They just want to know that it's consistent across multiple environments, across their dev, test, and production environments. Well, VMs went one step there, containers now focused on the same thing from the application stack down instead of the hardware up. So the service management layer that we're seeing with containerization of applications and the emergence of microservices have given me that ability now to be more application centric and I can map those applications to generic um, virtualized hardware that's been abstracted away. So we're seeing this large emergence here. It's really cool. And we've seen a consolidation in this marketplace and the main winner on this is Kubernetes as far as the service management layer goes, uh, which is great news because we have almost like a de facto standard out there on how this all works together. The good news here is now I have automatic deployment across multiple clouds. I've optimized my OpEx and my CapEx was already optimized through the virtualization layer, but now I'm talking at the application stack and the service stack layer, so now I have automated fault tolerance, much easier to integrate with like overlay networks where I can integrate across multiple clouds and create a virtual network on top of two clouds and create firewalls and do micro segmentation all via software. It's a very cool technology way to go. Another concern that I have though that pops up, security, number one concern. Containers are easy to deploy across multiple environments Sometimes some people forget about security, so I need to make sure that I'm focusing on security, that it's baked into the way that I deploy. Also, you have an increase in complexity. The increase in complexity comes that I now have moved away from your normal three-tier architectures to a multi-tier or maybe even a microservice architecture where I've got dozens of services working together um, to deliver an application uh, solution. And then one of the uh, other problems I have is where's the data? I can deploy a container anywhere, but it needs to be where there is some data. And in the service management layer, they really kind of punted on, on uh, storage. They just call it volume. It's a, just a generic container um, concept, but it really doesn't manage the data itself. So there's still some issues there. Now, if you put on top of this ecosystem here, which is a great ecosystem, and you add Internet of Things, you now have an increased number of, of volume of data 
that's now spread across, not just in your data center or in the public cloud, but it's now spread across hundreds or thousands of smart devices that are out there. And it's not a little bit of data on those smart devices. It's large amounts of data. So I can't just ignore it. I've got to do something with it, right? It also increases uh, visibility into what's going on, which is great, but security concerns now increased again. I have edge devices out there that the public can actually access. Um, it could be a smart lamp, uh, city, city light. It could be a smart um, traffic signal. It could be a drone that's flying around or security cameras, all that someone possibly could tamper with. So you've got additional security concerns. Um, your complexity just went through the roof because now I've got lots of different types of devices out there that I need to manage. And the other thing that's increased is your data uh, locality and where the complexity of where your data is is enormous. So we've got to work through this. Now, one thing that we've seen also is that organizations are changing to handle this. Now, all this is colliding all together, and, and you'll see in the next slide why this is so important. But you've got now organizations that have a chief data officer. You've heard the new terms like data steward, data scientist, data engineer. They all have new use cases that they're bringing into the situation. And in our architecture, we don't have a place for those use cases to be managed. So we've created a new layer that we call the distributed information management layer, where these use cases can be handled. So let's see where this fits into our architecture that we already have, the application service, SDI cloud layer, and your IoT devices here. This distributed information management layer is now managing data and information across all of these entities, IoT, public, private clouds, and it's matching those where that data resides with your application stacks and your service stacks. So I can dynamically allocate services and applications close to the data, or I can move the data close to the applications. Or a combination of two. We're finding that uh, we've already identified three different modes of operation on data and applications, and um, we're starting to uncover even more. So it's kind of, it's really exciting actually. So this distributed information management layer is a key aspect to us moving forward. Now, another thing that we've kind of hinted on several times is security. Security is extremely important. So we need to make sure that we have security as an aspect where it runs from the common layers of hardware up through the cloud layers into the service stack layers and the application layers, as well as in the data management layer. And when I first put security in there, I added identity as one little box inside security. And after talking to several customers, they expressed the concern that identity needs to be at the top of the architecture because it's such an important aspect. So we move that to the top of the, of the architecture. And when we talk about identity, now we talk about identity, access, authorization, and authentication of individuals, of applications and services, of IoT devices, and even of data. And I need to manage key management of that, which includes encryption, 
um, attestation and so I can have trusted uh, data and trusted devices out there. So we call all of this architecture together, we call this the edge mirror architecture. And you can see that many of the parts already exist and it's just how they're integrated together. The one area that is probably the newest area here is that distributed information management layer, which we're starting to see some startups in this area and some more well-established companies already starting to build out those use cases and those architectural elements in that layer. Now, some people say, well, how does Intel fit into this? Well, one of the key elements that you need here is that common physical layer. Well, the common physical layer means that I can control and manage all of those resources, whether they're an IoT device or in the data center or on a, maybe it's a remote location or a remote office. I want to make sure that I can move the data if I need to, I can store the data effectively, and I can process everything. Whether it's our Xeon processors at the high end, or whether it's um, doing inference or doing AI on the edge at very low wattage. I have a full stack of um, physical hardware that's available. If you wanna learn more about this, go ahead and uh, send me an email or you can contact me on LinkedIn or on uh, Twitter. And remember, when you're going out there and you're looking at all this change, take a look at developing your data strategy, which should include people, process, technology. Thanks for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you liked our episode, go ahead and give us five stars on your favorite podcast or video streaming site. You can also find out more on embracingdigital.com. Until next time, keep moving forward and embrace the digital revolution.